to the Punk Rock Libertarians podcast, episode 223. Tonight, I'm here with Jared Schneiderman. Hey, guys. Philip Dassing. What's going on? Alexis Schlegel. What's up, everybody? And Michael Heiss. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. Founder of the Mises Caucus. Mises, man. M- Mises? Oh, shit, like dude. pieces. Okay. Mises pieces. Right, okay. <laughs> Founder of the Mises Caucus. And uh, Michael Heiss, he traveled like, like uh, two hours to be here. Uh, two hours and some change, huh? Yeah, like two hours, 15, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. It's goddamn celebritarians being late. So, <laughs> so why are you here this week? What are you, uh, what are you looking to uh, promote? Well, what, what are you looking to talk it, about? What's in it for you, dude? Fame and power. <laughs> um, nah, so what I'm, what I'm here to promote is uh, the launch of the Mises Pack. We've actually, we've actually, uh, so the caucus is still there and there's a lot of people involved, but we've actually just launched Mises Pack. So, so how does this differ from the fudge pack that Alexis is always talking about? <laughs> what are the goals of the fudge pack? Alex? The fudge pack? No, tell us about the, the, the Mises pack. So it's, um, to my understanding, it's the first ever hybrid pack that is aimed at supporting the LP. Hybrid pack? But is that Indica and Sativa? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking hippie speedball, man. Uh, hippie speedball. And, uh, no, so what it is is, so what it means to be a hybrid pack is that we're one committee, so there's one, one board of directors, and they have, there's two bank accounts that we have at our disposal. So one is what we would call a traditional pack, and one is a super pack, and there's different things that we can do with them. So, with the uh, traditional pack, what we're doing is we're raising money in order to support local and county level candidates around the country. Um, and we've actually already recently, we just cleared the thousand dollar a month mark coming in. So that's pretty good. I'm pretty sure that places us as doing better than a bunch of state libertarian parties themselves. <laughs> and wow. and um, then the super PAC side of things, what we want to do is support basically issue coalition. So ballot initiatives in the states that have them. Unfortunately, Maryland here is not one of them. Uh, but um, ballot initiatives in the states that, that allow them and uh, lobbying, essentially, where they don't. But the lobbying is going to be focused. I mean, if there's state efforts that are going on that we can help with, absolutely. But um, more at the local and county level again. So good example of that would be uh, there was recently the psilocybin initiative in Denver, Colorado that passed. Um, so Denver, Colorado now has completely decriminalized mushrooms and, uh, we got involved with that before it was on the ballot and to make a long story short, it passed with less than 2000 votes. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, we got the executive director of that effort on the Tom Woods show on several libertarian podcasts. We got volunteers to work for it. So I don't know. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's all, it is awesome. And it's something that's a, that is a particular issue that means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, with that short of a margin, I think I think it actually helped. Probably probably had some influence, yeah. So and and what's cool about the the issue coalitions thing is that there's like these little ripple effects that you can't really see, but that are very important. Like, so I've I've in my last phone call with this guy uh, shortly before the the vote for it uh, was counted, he is now identifying himself as a libertarian. So like that's one ripple effect that's cool. Yeah. Another ripple effect that came out of that is after that passed, like three weeks later. 
um, the city council in Oakland, California passed a, an ordinance that upped the ante. So they actually decriminalized all uh, natural psychedelics. So they decriminalized, uh, you know, shrooms, ibogaine, DMT, uh, ayahuasca, um, peyote. Yeah, peyote, everything. Uh, I think so I anything that's game. not made in a lab, but psychedelic. Yeah, I've yeah. never done any of them. That's crazy. Man. And, you ever tried and... DMT? <laughs> that's crazy, man. That's crazy, man. I have. It's, 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 it's entirely possible. <laughs> but um, and then so that's a ripple effect because the Denver thing kind of opened the avenue for that, and then the uh, ripple effect out of that is the um, the organization that headed up that effort. I was reading articles that said that. Uh, They've had over 80 organizations contact them saying, hey, let me get that language. Hey, how did you do that? Mm. You know, so this is going to be something that continues to spread out. And we got in on the ground level with, with people who kind of started it and right. have a chance of, to continue to affect this. And it's it's like I said, it's something that's important to me because I think, well, one, I think the psychedelics are going to be the next domino in the, the drug war. Sure. But not only that, I think as a result of that, it's going to be a revolution in, in mental health care. Yeah. Are you uh, are you familiar with maps? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do they uh, do they sort of have a hand in this at all? Or so they basically they're the nonprofit that essentially funds all of the research, and the research is what's legitimizing these efforts. Okay. Very so, cool. So so the, basically, there's uh, the the research is actually kind of headed out of Baltimore um, at Johns Hopkins University. Yeah. Now mm -hmm. there's also research done at New York University. There's several overseas. Uh, places that that engage in this research but johns hopkins has been leading the charge for a while now so you yourself are, are you a partaker of the shrooms every once in a while it's healthy yeah. oh okay cool but it's it's all in how you do it oh it's not for tell fun. us tell us dude it's not for fun that's the thing is i think people think of these things as is fun you know what i mean and that's not to say that you can't have fun on them but um well, yeah of course but people have been using them ritualistically for thousands of years and essentially using them religiously for thousands of years, and there's a reason for that. And the science is now finding the, that reason. So, like, how would you describe a mushroom trip for you? For me? Mm -hmm. um, I've tried to... You know what's fucked up about it is, is I've tried to have fun with it, and I can't. Like, I've tried to take it at festivals and shit, and I feel too vulnerable. I'm like, I gotta get out of here. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I can't do it. Um no, for me, it's I, I go through a whole emotional process to clear myself before I'm ready for it. And then um, I would say it's kind of like facing myself, you know, and, and I think it, it, it brings up things in a person that they wouldn't otherwise be faced with. And if you're prepared for that, you can learn from that and progress as a person. And that's basically what the, the, the science is showing, because so like one of the, the big studies that they did at Johns Hopkins was they did studies to see if it could help people quit cigarettes. Right. So the patch has like a 30 or 35 percent rate of people who actually quit long term. Mm -hmm. Shrooms, 70 percent. And, wow. and, and the method of how that happens is completely different from the patch. So the patch or the gum is like trying to introduce a new neurochemical to counteract the, the withdrawal. Right. Um, Isn't shrooms something that uh, some people quote microdose? Yeah. I've never screwed around with that, though. Yeah. So microdosing, I assume it's just taking a very small amount of mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah, they do it with acid too, but um, that's really popular in Silicon Valley. But hold on, so what? What's the process um, for uh, tobacco cessation with uh, mushrooms? So essentially, they go in there. Now, you, part of it is, and this is going to be no matter what the method is that to quit, they have to want to quit. Yeah, that's sure. that's that's yeah. a vital part of it. 
Um, but essentially, they go in there, they trip, and they come out of it saying, I don't want to do this anymore. I could see what it was doing to me. Wow. And and that that dovetails with some other studies they did because in the beginning, some of the first studies they did was to see, all right, can we can we induce what they call a mystical experience or a religious experience? So mm-hmm. they extrapolated all the different uh, characteristics of a religious experience and basically said, okay, we can quantify this. Now, can we get dosage to reliably induce it? Then they yeah. did that. So... Um, once they started doing these clinical uh, trials for all these other things, they, they did interviews with all of the people that, that did it. And it's a very high rate of people who say that the psychedelic experience was one of the most spiritually significant in their lives. And they even said, like, on par with the birth of their first child or death of their first parent. Oh, wow. And for me, the reason uh, it was, it's an important issue for me and one that I'm particularly, like, passionate about is because... Um, it, it cured my depression when I was 19, you know, and I didn't know what I know now. I just thought it was like this freak occurrence. Yeah. And, but it was definitely like, so you a, didn't take it with the intent of, of no. curing it. You Mm-mm. just was no. sort of a side effect. Yeah. No, I took it and went to a basketball court with my friend and then basically had started having revelations on the court and had to go home and talk to my parents. Oh, wow. <laughs> did, you, did your parents know you were tripping? Yeah. That was the first thing I said. <laughs> oh, wow. So wow. I guess were you your parents are pretty cool. On the court? Yeah, I was trying. You were making- <laughs> no, he was like, I know, I now know how to shoot threes. <laughs> but uh, I have consistently, a, I have a uh, buddy I know who who does it. He uh, uh, mushrooms, but with tea, like they like they make it into like a tea form, and like so they'll drink the tea, and he says he doesn't see anything. He just it's this feeling he gets like just he feels so much better about himself, and the next day he feels like he's like a newer person, and he just. It like lasts, and he, he says it like brings up his mood. It like it's it, and and he doesn't know anything about like the research of it or anything. He was just telling me like, yeah, I, I just have it in this tea, and I don't hallucinate. I just feel like so good, and I feel like all the like weight's been lifted off my shoulders. Yeah, and it's no nothing hallucinogenic to him at all. So, Thanks, Doctor Phil. <laughs> I, I, I've never done it before, so like, that's okay. Why he's, okay, so Alexis, have you tried shrooms? No, I never have. Um, you gotta but, work on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like. Uh, <laughs> You know, just listening to podcasts and uh, like hearing a lot about Kratom. I was listening to uh, Tom Woods podcast when uh, I forget who the guest had John Bush on there talking about Kratom. Um, I actually tried Kratom and it was like uh, when I was doing the podcast yeah, one night. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you didn't know, really do anything for me. Yeah, I mean, I was I was already yeah. smoking weed and drinking beer, so I was already like two steps flying. And then I tried uh, okay, the Kratom. So. I don't think Kratom. I, I haven't done it yet. I have some at home, and I haven't done it yet. But I don't think it's supposed to be. I don't think it should be classified as drugs or anything like that, like weed. Like that kratom is in the same like family tea, as coffee. Right? It's yeah, like it's, a, it's, it's like um, well, it's like a cousin to coffee. So, like what I've heard is that it, it might give you some euphoria, but the the important thing about kratom is that it attaches itself to the same receptors as opioids do, mm-hmm. and that's why that's why people recommend it for pain. Yeah, because it was used a lot by laborers in like Southeast Asia. Yeah, that's how it became and, Malaysia. And, um, yeah, and um, so a lot of laborers who are doing um intense jobs like to kind of just treat arthritis or just day-to-day aches and pains so it's like kind of instead of popping an advil at the end of the day or ask people are like constantly on aspirin i guess it would just be like a natural way of oh yeah opioids like, yeah. Yeah. yeah a lot of people exactly. you know breaking free from uh heroin you know have, have had great success with kratom and then you know it's just crazy to hear um you know some politicians want to make it illegal you know and but we got this drug war 
you know, if you really wanted to fight heroin, you yeah. know, Kratom sounds that's like great the you're most reasonable. Because you look at options. cities, yeah, especially like with the heroin crisis going on and a lot of like, I mean, we see it everywhere. Well, there, that's one aspect of it. And another aspect of it is that in the name of the opioid crisis. So in Pennsylvania, um, a bill just passed both the House and the Senate that would make it so that doctors can only prescribe a week's worth of opioids to combat the opioid crisis. And our governor has, has declared an emergency on the opioids like five times or something like that. Hmm. And like, I'm not going to get into details, but I have a, a pretty seriously injured father, you know, and, and uh, that's going to, I mean, he's going to have to go to the doctor every single week. And imagine what this is going to have to do with the workflow of the doctors. They're going to fall behind. Right. And, and, the, and the consequence of this is, I don't know if you guys know anybody who, who would have a negative quality of life if they didn't have their medication, but people kill themselves. Like, like people are so completely racked by pain without these things on a 24-7 endless basis mm -hmm. that they kill themselves. Right. And it's not uncommon. Sure. So that's really fucked up. Like, yeah. and, and, and so if you're going to block off options and then do that and basically regulate uh, the, the medical field in a way that is extremely disadvantaged, uh, dis, uh, disadvantaged to legitimate patients in the name of saving addicts or something, right. then, yeah. then... Yeah, you get some pretty serious backlash. Well, I, I think actually it'll probably um, cause more addicts, you know, because then when, when people can't get their refills from their doctors, you know, they'll a lot of people resort to doing actual heroin. Yeah, yeah. It's just funny. Like I, I told, I think I told you this, Mike, but uh, the prosecutor of Baltimore, when she was talking about, um, she joined the Baltimore City Libertarian uh, meeting, and she was talking about why she's not prosecuting people for. Uh, marijuana possession Marilyn Mosby yeah Marilyn Mosby okay. and I so I pretty much threw the pitch of like hey right down the street is John Hopkins they're leading the way in this whole like research of of mushrooms and stuff and I think like it according to your logic one of the things you're saying is the science behind it and I was like well the science behind this is showing that it's it's a miracle jog and and I told her, told her, and she laughed at me, and she was like, oh, "Well, we don't have that problem in Baltimore." I'm like, "Well, we don't I didn't, have, you don't yeah. have depressed people." So, so yeah. the, the shrooms hits the big three in in psychological issues: depression, addiction, and anxiety. You're telling me you don't have people in Baltimore that hit that? <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't want like, like that's insane. I didn't yeah. want like step over my bounds, but like I wanted to say to her, "I'm like, well, you have police officers arresting people if they have it in their pocket." So I would say, "Yeah, you still have a problem right. for something that is the research right downtown is telling you." That it's not as bad for you as as everyone once had these. Mis didn't like, didn't these she also cross the line into that's a white drug? Well, yeah, that was one of the things where she was making. She needs to go to a festival, yeah. she, right? She yeah. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she said, it's, it's, the whole thing is like it was mostly. Um, well, they're disproportionately locking up black people for marijuana, and they don't have that. So she was correlating without having to say it. She did the politician thing. Well, we don't have that problem because. It's not a black drug kind of a thing is what, what, what the vibe I was getting from what she was telling me. Mm. And, but she straight laughed like when I told her that. I'm like, oh, okay. You didn't laugh when the guy said heroin, but when I said mushrooms, you laugh at me. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what did she say regarding heroin? Um, she said we're, we're taking it serious. Yeah, we'll definitely look at that as a, as a thing because we know it's an epidemic going on and we know... You know, she just kind of gave the rundown Which, uh, that. regarding legalizing it or about not arresting, it? yeah, not arresting people yeah. for heroin. Oh and wow! Some someone said, and she, she said she was looking into that. She would Holy look into shit! That. But then I say mushrooms, and she laughs. She's like, "Well, we don't have that problem." Yeah, there. that's crazy. I know. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, she right. must be just connecting the yeah, just like the de decriminalization with lowering use, and if 
Well, she doesn't recognize a high use of it, then that's probably she, what was going on in her head. She's not making all the other connections. Is she a boomer? No, no, she's young. She's probably a little bit older than me. Really? Shit. Yeah. Marilyn Mosby, yeah. She's not. Oh, she's, shit. Yeah, she's Man, like, I gotta be sucks. late 30s. <laughs> uh, she, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, she's really? kind of hot, too. <laughs> <laughs> Convert Sorry. her that way. Yeah. 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 Seducer. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> that one, baby. But yeah, so that's just one issue that the Mises caucus and awesome. the Mises pack is is trying to affect. And um, we're actually partnering with the 10th Amendment Center on the whole issue coalition thing. So if you go onto our website, we have a, a page called Our Actions that um, has a whole bunch of action items that we're, we have over 40 organizers around the country. So um, like on top of uh, the candidates at the local and county level, we have like a list of these uh split up into local and state level action items uh, that, that we're asking them to choose from to do, what, you know, depending on how viable whichever thing is in their area. Um, so that might be, I think we're, we're going to add trying to ban facial recognition technology or stingray technology and stuff like that. But Well, um, actually, um, the science is in, and it really problem solved on that. It, all you have to do is become a juggalo and paint your face as such. <laughs> And facial recognition is no longer a problem. Done. They were ahead of their time. Does, does the Mises Caucus know about that? We are aligned with the Juggalos. <laughs> Get some corpse paint on there, man. Start listening to uh, some black metal. But but the important thing about this is that there's sample legislation for all of these efforts on there. And just to give you an idea of how important that can be, it, um, for me in Norristown, Pennsylvania, um, I just started showing up to the to the city council meetings, and it's like a town of thirty five thousand, and and. Uh, you know, it's it's like seventy percent voting. Seventy uh, percent of the voter demographic is Democrat voting. The entire board is Democrats, um, and so I walked in there and on my first meeting, the I walked up to the sheriff or not, the uh, chief of police, and he attends the meetings. And I just threw it out there and was like, "Hey, man, what's the state of decriminalization around here? You know, what, what's going on there?" And to my shock, he goes. I don't know, but it's time. We've got to stop throwing people in cages for this. And, you know, nobody has done the I'm work. I'm surprised he didn't give you a cavity search. Right. Oh. Yeah, I was too. <laughs> so I didn't he, have anything, though. He flew yeah. out. You were, just, you were just looking for a good time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, and, and so he supported it and basically said, but if somebody did do the work, I would be down for that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so it, it just so happens that we have decriminalized weed in Pennsylvania in several areas. You know, the... The capital, so Harrisburg is decriminalized, Philly is decriminalized, um, State College is decriminalized, Lancaster County, which is like the heart of Amish country, is. Lancaster is, County. I'm sorry, Lancaster, Lancaster City. City. Lancaster City. City. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, which is like the heart of Amish country is is decriminalized, and mm -hmm. so I, I looked over them, and and Lancaster actually had like the least restrictive one that I could find. So I literally just took that and replaced like City of Lancaster with Municipality of Norristown, That's and awesome. then and then I went to the next City Council meeting, spoke to it assured them all that I would be following up with email and, and, you know, made my case. Um, part of which is, you know, I threw some politics in there, which is 70% of the population here is Democrats. In 2017, the Democrat party adopted marijuana legalization as part of their policy procedure. This is going to be a popular thing. <laughs> like, like yeah, I, it true. shouldn't take some random libertarian to be in here doing this. Yeah. So, so here's the language. I brought copies for everybody. And and yeah, that's awesome. And followed up, and then they had me do another presentation, which I brought the the best weed lobbyist in the state out, um, Les Stark of the Keystone Cannabis Coalition, and um, they supported it. And not only did they support it, but they basically talked like they might put it in committee to add language for expungements, which would make it the best decrim yep. effort in yeah. the entire state. 
That's awesome. awesome. I think like local, because um, I know uh, Kyle posted an article like that there isn't a viable candidate, libertarian candidate for 2020, and it's like maybe just listening to your examples just at the local level and just how much change could be affected at the local level that maybe libertarians need to set the bar like not shoot like who gives a fuck about the president right like maybe we should focus our efforts on local initiatives like what you're doing michael and like i think maybe um you were involved were you involved in like c4l or kind of like act like i was aware of them but i wasn't involved with them okay because it's kind of like those tactics and i i don't get involved i don't even think it's a viable organization anymore but just like the tactics of getting involved at the local level even like just building bridges with people you otherwise would disagree with but you know building those bridges and i mean i i do think there's a role for presidential run but it certainly isn't to win like not right now (laughs) you know what i mean like and um but I would say, generally speaking, you're right. The, the the idea that we should be focusing on on national politics is um, a fool's errand. Now, I get like, uh, the, it, I mean, you, you can still from, deliver from, a message. Well, you can still deliver a message, yeah. but but the the amount of resources that we're getting into it for the the results that we're getting, you know, we're lucky to clear five percent in in most of our Senate races. You yeah, know, what we, I mean? we also like haven't that. really had somebody who was uh, you know the most capable of delivering a message. Well, I would say Larry did a very good job, and he now he did make history in in New York by getting them ballot access, and that is part of why they run it. They have to they have to run some of these national campaigns in order to try to get ballot access for the for their states. Otherwise, you're getting an absurd number of signatures. That, no, I was talking about like for a presidential run, right? But yeah. uh, but what I'm saying is, I, I would say Larry Sharp is a good example of somebody who is a good messenger, somebody who is a clear messenger. And even though he he cleared that hurdle to um, get them on the ballot, he still only got he got less than five percent, and he ran a great campaign. Oh yeah, yeah, Larry Shop. Uh, uh, props to him. Um, what do you? Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Justin Amash possibly jumping in? I'm supportive of it personally. Yeah. Um, I'm skeptical whether or not he's going to do it. Now, I, really? I just want why? Well, because because of what he said in recent interviews. Yeah. Now that he switched. Yeah. But um, I want to clarify that I'm speaking as an individual and not as the caucus because I feel that while yeah, I feel this is that just your opinion, dude. Right. Well, I just you know we this don't just have, your opinion. We don't I have democratic. Shrooms. We don't have democratic input for the caucus. Mm-hmm. So and and for the pack. So um, it's it's important to me that I I try not to uh, you know misrepresent people because just uh, Justin Jacob Hornberger. There's another person that might run that would be very popular. Yeah, I with, like him a lot. With people in yeah, in the LPMC. Years. So um, I would say both are popular. So I just want to put that put that caveat out there. But um, but I'm supportive of it, and I think that he would. So here's the way I see it: Jacob Hornberger would be a great what I call in reach candidate, like somebody who is connected to the libertarian community could fire up the libertarians and get them active, and it would certainly be great for us because him and the Future Freedom Foundation is the kind of orbits that we're you know recruiting from anyway. Whereas Amash, I think, would be the results candidate that the Prags wanted with Gary. Right. But mm-hmm. he actually has the principles to where that makes sense. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. um, so I think he, you would have a chance of getting in the debates if, if Amash ran in there. The question then becomes, is, is, is the party ready for that, to take that step? And I don't know that it is. Mm. There's just so much division. I mean, like if you hear the, the people, like you said, the Prags, like Nick sounds like he's in favor of Sarwark and... 
his lap dogs, Andy Craig and Adam Bates. They, they, I'm sure they would like it. I but, think I think they like it, but and, and actually hate the fact that I like it. Yeah, I think so too. Because like <laughs> guys like Mike Shipley, Mike Shipley went off on a tangent today in a post saying how much he hates the idea of having Justin Amash is yeah. not a left libertarian, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly how it was essentially. Yeah. So I think there's going to be division among that because everyone keeps saying, "Well, I'm sick of having retread Republicans coming to the party." You know, out, out Republican outcasts. I'm like, well, you know what? Most of us here were Republican outcasts. Yeah, I, I can say I was considered. I never was officially a Republican, but I considered myself as a Republican. I guess growing up and eventually, it just it didn't fit me as a as a person. So I, I just thought, you know, like coming into Libertarian Party, like maybe we shouldn't shit on people coming from the Republicans when. Think about how many people here, just sitting here right now, were here because of Ron Paul. Right. So I probably would have, if it wasn't for Ron Paul, the 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 people that I was running with, I pro they were going down Noam Chomsky and and all that kind of stuff. So I probably might have ended up a leftist wow. if it wasn't Holy for shit. Ron. Holy shit! We should just call you Comrade Heist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He is sitting in uh, Comrade Wagner's chair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is Kyle Wagner's chair. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've collectivized this chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, Matt, you wanted to talk about uh, your uh, Facebook, that you're in uh, the jail. Yeah, like I'm in Facebook jail for seven days. Yeah, how, yeah. how's it going? What did you man? do this how time? How's it going? Okay, so. Any conjugal um, visits yet? <laughs> okay, <laughs> took my That's why I'm here, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, what was it? Um, I was posting in Kyle Wagner's uh, ANCAP versus Minarchist group. <laughs> what? And you know, I was just asking him um, why um, he, why he won't allow Ka uh, Kylie Wagner into the group, right? So I said, um, Kyle, why all the hate for trannies? <laughs> and ap apparently, that is um, for me to ask somebody why they hate trannies is uh, against Facebook's uh, standards. <laughs> well, well, maybe trannies is derogatory, man. Yeah. Maybe they don't want to be called trannies it was hate speech objectively, <laughs> objectively. <laughs> okay <laughs> hey, so you're michael heiss or michael stipley yeah. <laughs> it is interesting how you have he's, words he's like channeling his inner shipley <laughs> it is it is interesting how you have words like tranny which maybe five ten years ago were not offensive and were even used within that that community yeah dude that was the name of all the porn i used to watch was tranny surprise man <laughs> wow <laughs> And actually, that, that brings up a good point. They actually got rid of using the word tranny in, really? in things like Pornhub and I like the more. In a while. Yeah. But, uh, but you, you make a great point because look at it. Like you can say, you can't say colored person, but yeah. you can say person of color. Right. Think about it. Like this well, there's weird. all sorts of words that were acceptable. And then it's, there's actually a phenomenon. It's called the, uh, the euphemism treadmill. But basically, you know, you have a word and then it starts. You know, some people sort of use it derogatory, and then they're just like, "Okay, we can't use this word anymore. We just invent like a new word, like honk." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they just keep like inventing words, and then they keep just getting yeah. used negatively, and then it's like at some point you've just got to be like, you know, it just it'll never end, you know, because it's just an infinite treadmill, and the only solution is to just stop being so sensitive and just if people are going to be use something in a derogatory manner, just just let them and not going to happen, you know. <laughs> But yeah, so it's it's funny. Seven days in the slammer, yeah, Matt. Yeah, seven it's, days it's, down. You know, really, like I think anytime you tell everybody that they can't use a word, you're really only just giving that word more power. Yeah, pretty much. You know, more like hate power. You know. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Well, not only that, but I would say free speech. We as libertarians, we like to look at free speech as 
speak truth to power. You know what I mean? And, and that certainly is a big part of what it's about, and it's very important. But I would say that the core function of it is actually deeper than that. Now, granted, I'm, I'm going to go on some P Jordan Peterson shit here, but um, it's essentially how we moderate and regulate reality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we, it, it's how we, it, it's how we progress the things that we agree with and, and, and shun the things that we disagree with. And if you cut off that, that, uh, feedback, mechanism. yeah, that feedback loop in that process, then you're going to have all kinds of, uh, paradoxes and, and gaps and, and misunderstandings and divisions and, and all that kind of thing. And, and well, there's only one organization that that would benefit and we all know who that is. So right. I, I think it's in their interest to, to do that, and I think that's part of why it's happening. Hmm. And I think they're actively, uh, man, this one will piss Shipley off. Um, <laughs> they're, they're employing they're employing what what I would call cultural Marxism because you can't just people act like legislation exists in a vacuum. Like you, but we all. So I'm sure most of you guys are familiar with the 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 saying that politics is downstream from culture. Yeah, yeah, of course. So you have to condition you have to you have to condition the culture in order to prep them to accept the legislation. Yeah, this is not new. <laughs> like, like it's just yeah. a new flavor of it. Sure. You know, it's and and so I would say what they're doing now. So before, what they had to do for like say communism and everything like that is they had to play on people's envy to turn the workers against the owners and the rich against the or I'm sorry the poor against the rich. Right. And 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 you know galvanize people that way. They're doing that same thing through cultural differences, and that's what it means to be cultural Marxism because it's being used for Marxist political ends. So they're turning gay against straight, white against black, men mm -hmm. against women, you know, and 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 using that to stoke these. I mean, is it? Do you guys think it's a coincidence that it's uh, that a lot of these things, these movements, and these sentiments come from the left? No, yeah. no. It's well. Look at the um, that that's you. You talked about culture. Uh, we were going to talk about it this. Um that music festival in Detroit that's going to take place in August, the Afro Music Festival. Yeah, we were going to talk about that. Isn't that like topic four? Yeah, but that ties in exactly what Mike's talking about. <laughs> but it's anarchy basement. They're, they're talking about you know reparations. Reparations is in the in the main, in, not in, it's in the news right now. It's, yeah. And then so let's have a festival charging white white individuals twenty or ten dollars more than blacks because they. You I know, bet you ten bucks. There's a booth to register to vote. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But they pulled um one of the one of the artists pulled out and, who's biracial and said this is ridiculous, you know, and um uh, pulled out of the festival. But yeah, you're right. Like in the culture, they're conditioning, they're getting us like ready for for that to to just accept that. Yeah, yeah conditioning and, and dividing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of division going on, and then you know since we're we're on the subject of this. Uh, of this uh, music festival that, that we were talking about where they're actually charging people of different races, like, uh, you oh. know, higher prices to enter. You heard about that? Yeah. I saw the screenshots. Yeah. yeah that's so, crazy. Yeah. They've become what they hate. It's, it's crazy. I do. They hate it. It seems like they love it. Well, <laughs> they, they don't acknowledge that that is what they've become because they see themselves as the counter, but they've actually, well, they also, what they, they also, yeah. and this goes back to what you were saying about language and how it sort of defines things. They will redefine words like racism to mean it can only occur from the standpoint of an oppressive group. I'm a racist because I like Austrian economics. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. But I mean, how they how like, they sort of get away with you know, okay, we're gonna charge white people more is well, you can't be racist toward a white person because a white person is they're not the minority, right? They're above or they're above you in the in the patriarchy and the hierarchy and the whatever you know, right? And there's no thought to the logic of this because it's like. Well, does that change when I go to like Hong Kong? Right. 
you know, if I if well, yeah. I if I were to move, it can't so. be universally applied. It can only be applied in this specific context with these conditions that you've essentially invented out of thin air. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. Uh. So I mean, it, 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 where where is this happening again? Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. Um, and up. that doesn't violate like discrimination laws <laughs> or. <laughs> Not. No, because so white people can't be discriminated against. But I, I wouldn't think their government is that ideological. But yeah, the I mean, Apo Future Music Festival in Detroit. I mean, they don't even really have a government to either. Um, and they're saying it's equitable, equitable <laughs> chance at enjoying events in their own community. So they're they're saying like they just don't want whites that are affluent coming and buying all the tickets, buying all the tickets, and you know selling. But it's weird how that only just let the market decide. It only applies for them. Like they take the most libertarian stances. When it suits their position, like just talk to like just bring up abortion. I mean, that's something as simple as that. They take the most libertarian response. They're like, "It's my body, my choice." So, it's a, <laughs> so they're going to charge for this. white people and non-persons of color um, for yeah. It's like, how are you going to determine like what what the fuck? And it's funny that like one of the head, one of the artists that was set to perform pulled and she's biracial. And just like fuck so this if, out, and just like this is not a progressive. So if view. I say I'm one one thousandth and twenty fourth of an Indian, I can get in. Uh, who knows? I, can, I, I don't know. Just got to clear the Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you guys see That's that meme where like? Uh, <laughs> did you guys see that meme where like Elizabeth Warren's uh, hand is being bit by a mosquito and it's yeah. like, oh, she's no more longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I posted that in the group. That was so funny. Yeah. Oh, there. Are, yeah, if, if it's a meme, are... seemed Phil probably posted it. There are uh, questions about its legality, <laughs> true. so it might violate a Civil Rights Act of 1964. So who knows? It might not even. It might not even. It's not. It's not till August anyway. So more to more to probably come. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure, sure it got sure. people fighting each other. Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely gonna have a lot of people triggered. So ha- so so Michael, how do you propose we f- we fight cult- cultural Marxism? I would say that the best way for us to do that that is completely outside of politics first of all. Mm-hmm. Like like is as much of an advocate for, you know, us getting politically involved. How do we do that? Be successful people. That's I mean that's really the best you can do. Become doctors, become influencers, become people that other people give a shit about what you think. Yeah. Um and that's really it. I mean, we have to do back to to the the establishment what the establishment has done for us. We have to take academia back. We have to take entertainment back. You know, we have to, and we have to take all these things back, and that that can only be done by taking our ideas and embodying them. Yeah, that's why it's like you just got to talk about. It. You just got to be that beacon, that vanguard of just of liber, you know, of li- this classical liberalism, or it's it's anarcho capitalism, it's just libertarianism. Like you just got to speak it, and just don't be afraid, like to to just have it come up in a conversation and. I mean, even if it's like stupid, like wearing a wearing a shirt into a, like a public place, you know, with some, some crazy stuff. With Ron Paul's face on it. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it's funny because I had my my uh, my uh, the print guns, not money shirt uh, from the from the Mises Caucus, and I wear that into like Target, and I get so many looks like left and right. But it's it's simple shit like that, like because I'm one of those people that would see something like that and be like. What's that, man? Like, whoa, what's yeah, that? Yeah, like, yeah. that's like getting into punk music. Like, that was the shit. It was like, whoa, this is harsh. Like, they're talking about like no governments and shit. Like, that's crazy. And I would just <laughs> look crazy, into stuff man. like that. It's crazy, man. <laughs> maybe that's I'm like crazy. one. Maybe I like, I'm like you, but you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. You, you know, you never know who that one person might be who's gonna have that story. Like, oh, dude, I saw this one guy with this crazy fucking shirt at a Target once. My man. favorite one is actually um, my Black Guns Matter shirt. 
because you get uh, yeah, you yeah, get yeah. people you get uh, who I assume are are fans of Black Lives Matter who yeah, think that you're making upset. fun of them. So yeah. what's this mean? What are you doing? Are you making fun of me and my experience? I'm like, I, calm down. <laughs> It's an organization. Have you ever heard of it? No. Well, yeah, they actually like crowdfund money from the black community mostly and, and go around to countries where no other Second Amendment organization will go. So they will go into Harlem or Chicago or, uh, you know, areas like this and and t teach people about gun rights, gun safety, gun history and conflict resolution where this conversation is badly needed. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mind blown. That's awesome. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I need to get one of those shirts too because I think like, especially in Baltimore, like, what the fuck? Dude? Yeah, double take. Yeah, but yeah, if Phil was gonna get the Black Guns Matter romper. <laughs> I was get the black. They're cozy matter. sleeping, man. <laughs> Love, uh, Ethan with his response uh, to your question, Matt. He's like, "How do you solve uh, cultural Marxism and, uh, with helicopters?" According to Ethan, <laughs> that was Jared's question. Uh, yeah, uh, that was my question. Oh dude. my bad, Jared. But thanks. Yeah. Well, that's how Ethan would respond. Well, naturally. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> that's helicopters. Eastern response. <laughs> all right. Um, well, speaking of uh, Black Guns Matter, um, have you been following all the sort of recent developments with Maj? I volunteer for the campaign. Okay. So what's what's going on with... Uh, okay, so there was he was on some sort of radio yeah, program yeah, the, today. The Maj Meltdown. The Maj Meltdown. Yeah, I don't know. He just posted on Instagram because uh, he's on that WPHT... He does uh, weekend shows, yeah. Okay, yeah. He just wait. He melted down today because I didn't hear it. Oh, I didn't. Well, know. I didn't know if I don't know if it was a meltdown, <laughs> yeah, but I don't know if you he just said he was not drunk. today. He said he was. He like tweeted that he was drunk, and I'm about to get fired. Like, and then he said he was going to get fired, and then he also had some tweet about um, like women staying in the kitchen or something. It was like that was one of his hashtags. Like, yeah. what's going on there? He's just joking. I mean, yeah. it's, that really. I mean, and it becomes abundantly clear when you when yeah. you listen to his show, and yeah. especially li listen to his pro gun feminist co hosts uh -huh. talk about also making very good sandwiches and 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 things yeah. like that. All like, right, all right. Cool. Um, so what's the show like on the weekends? When uh, when does it air? From I think twelve to two. Twelve. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Because uh, I just saw the post and was like. <laughs> What's this about? And uh, our friend on the cast, Lee, was just, I guess he was listening a little he's bit. he's a Delaware guy. He's well, like one of the only people that live in Delaware. Yeah, so he could so, actually tune in. So as, as much of a, a tool as social media is, um, there's something about the, the, the lack of context in text-based mediums. Uh, and yeah, certain people who have axes to grind or agendas to, to pursue um, will use that for their ends to then set the context for, you know, and not give the benefit of the doubt or seek that context out and i would suspect that that's a lot of what the yeah, meltdown would be yeah no, yeah we're just, like we figured it was like oh he's probably just clowning around you know it's like oh, yeah so uh, that's funny but uh so, but but more back to um he's also he also came under a lot of criticism from a lot of people when he talked about um about how uh companies should be fine for hiring illegal immigrants and i i, I think there was a very of course, you know, everyone gets triggered, like a libertarian in you gets kind of triggered yeah. when he says stuff like that. But I, I think when it comes to politics, something that I noticed is like Arvin Vora talked about this. He's like, look, you got to talk to your audience and everything you talk about is has to be through the ideas of minarchism. And like you have to deal with the factors of state. You can't just talk about hypothetical libertarian stuff. You kind of right. have a focus. And he talks about. Amaj, talking about Maj, he talks to like people in his community where he's like he, he he came on here on this podcast and he talked about how he's a translator. Like he translates the message for people in his neighborhood and his environment where he 
grows where no one else really goes. So, I mean, what I mean, what's been the backlash to that? Well, there's been some backlash from some libertarians, but again, so I was actually in studio with him. I wasn't on the show, but I was in studio with him to deliver a book, <laughs> like um, because of this whole thing to to give him. But basically, he he said the same thing that we were kind of just talking about that there was context preceding that tweet where he was like essentially calling somebody out on their hypocrisy, and that's the 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 undertone of the the message itself and then if you go back and listen to the show yesterday he tells you what libertarians want to hear that yeah ideologically you know he he doesn't think that there should be borders but um it's the same thing of like you know he used the example of um uh well the second amendment is my my permit well that's that's going to land you in jail if you if you go into it. so there's a certain reality element and there's also a certain element of um like you said he has to talk to his he has to try to talk to to the people who uh, he already resonates with, yeah. right? And and he's talked about this for a long time of being an emissary because the fact of the matter, according to him, is if you go into these communities, we are lumped in with Republicans, we are lumped in with Trump, which is lumped in with racists, which means they're not going to hear you. So that, that you need people who are from that community, who look like that community, who can represent that community to, as you said, translate it back. Right. So, but that also means that you have to understand that community. So one of the things to understand about that community is that black youth unemployment has been 50% for like 30 years. Yeah. Mm. You know, so what he's trying to tap into and open the conversation around with something like that is the idea amongst that community. It's not an uncommon idea amongst that idea of like, yo, we don't have any fucking jobs. Where do all the fucking jobs go? The illegals took them, you know? And, and, yeah. and so you have to open that conversation before you can arrive at the solution of, well, you know, these same communities have basically been cut off to cut off of capitalism uh when prior to that it worked for them despite jim crow like mm -hmm. like you know there was a point in time where blacks were entering the middle class at at equal either almost as high or higher of a rate than whites and it's not like they had it's not like there was great schools at that point either right it's just that we had blue collar jobs that provided a middle class existence and that has been chased away from you know, with uh, regulation, taxation, and inflation, because when you're at the bottom, your dollar counts the most, and when the value of that is eaten, you're you're that much more ass out. Right. And and it's created this perfect storm where it incentivizes a choice between the welfare state or other means of making money. And then when they start to pursue the other means of making money, and you wage a drug war, yeah. then you get all of this 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 uh, disproportionate outcomes and, and all that kind of shit. It's just you can't bumper sticker this whole well. There's an economic reason for what you call racism, you know, and and you can't bumper sticker that but right. the only way to open that conversation is to come to the people where they are and and you have to be a person capable of doing that none of us here could do what he's doing right yeah no. we would just get chased out or, or at least just or just ignored yeah 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 for sure um, yeah, I mean, what he's doing is really good and like I, I mean a lot of his his campaign like just simple shit like that where he's just like yeah a lot of people waste money like politicians they waste money on flyers and stuff that just becomes like a like, like a frisbee going into a trash can he's like I actually spend my campaign funds making shirts for people and like stuff where they people can hold on to like stuff they could use and I'm like simple shit I'm like damn like he's right like you know it's yeah, so you true. know it's one thing that he's that he does it's really cool I've done this with him it's fun is um so we have to collect signatures to get on the ballot uh -huh. and uh so he used to hustle down in the subways you know, uh -huh. like back in the day before Black Guns Matter and shit like that. So I've actually bumped into people on the streets that collecting signatures that were like, I think I bought weed from that guy. I'm like, yeah, it was good <laughs> shit too, right? And like, sign this shit. And, 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 so, <laughs> and, and, um, but, no, but my point is like, he used to, he used to make music and he used to sell it down there. He used to hustle down there. And, um, 
there's a lot of people who know him about that. So what he'll do is to collect signatures is he'll just go on the trains and then um, I was with him with one other person and basically me and that other person would have clipboards get on each side of the car and then he would go to the middle of the car and be like, excuse me, everybody, I know you're you know, coming home from work or whatever, you had a long day, I apologize, but you know, my name is Maj Tor, I'm running for city council, gives his spiel, says if anyone's interested, please raise your hand, these guys got flyers. Hands go up, we start handing the flyers out and then he'll, he'll make the spiel of like, we need signatures and here's why. And then you get a lot of signatures. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a great amazing. tactic. And awesome. yeah, because we're going to be in Maryland. We got a, the signature uh, campaign's going to yeah. be starting soon. Start, yeah, it's starting soon because uh, we lost ballot access. Yeah, how does that work in his uh, council district as far as how many signatures he's got to get? He's got to get a little bit over 3,200. Okay. That's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, I mean, but in Maryland, totally we got to get least 10, to what Democrats and Republicans yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they have to get. Here's the thing about that if they race. Even require it. Here's the thing about that race. It is a winnable race, and here's why. Oh, nice. Um, it's 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 a, a special situation in that it's winnable because so he's running for at large, meaning that he is uh, electable by the entire voting constituency of Philly and not any one ward or district. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, there's seven at large seats, and there's a rule in place that any one party is only allowed to hold five of them. So the Democrats will run five, the Republicans will run five, the Democrats completely run the table. Like their their lowest vote getter is like 130,000 votes. Mm -hmm. So this essentially creates a situation where two Republicans get on by default. So yeah, you just have to beat the one of those two Republicans. You basically only have to beat the second highest Republican. Yeah. Now, th what that number was, 35,000 votes would have beat both of them in in 2015. Mm. 35,000 votes is not that much in like uh, one of the largest cities in the country. Right, yeah. That's awesome. So what? So aside from going into sort of his community, how, how, what's the effort to reach out to like white people or other people that aren't from his community? That stuff is more standard. You know, we yeah. we're, we have to do door knocking, phone banking, local media, yeah, all that kind of stuff. But that's that's standard. But the thing is, is that so his his three lead off issues are uh, marijuana legalization. This is probably another one that would be somewhat controversial to people because he's not about he's not advocating that we abolish public schools but civics in schools and um uh education reform and the idea behind civics in schools is mm -hmm. so part of his mission with black guns matter is not just teaching about guns and not just teaching about gun rights and gun safety but conflict resolution and yeah. there's a bit of a violence problem a lot, yeah. in in philly so sure. we need he, we need practical steps to try to combat that, and that is one. And there's already a huge movement in Philly for for charter schools. So you mm -hmm. know he he supports that, but yeah. you know the civics in school is basically just to teach people normal life skills. You know, and that's the main way that the schools are failing. A lot a lot of other ways, but one way that schools are failing our kids is that you graduate and you are not ready for life at all, and then you become a Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> Funny because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, completely switching gears. Uh, have you guys heard about this whole uh, controversy with uh, with Little Mermaid? I heard about it. <laughs> oh yeah, I've heard it. Yeah. So apparently they've uh, decided to cast. Um, is she uh, black or biracial? Halle Berry is her name. It's not Halle Berry. <laughs> it's not Halle Berry. That's it's what a, I read. It's a different chick. Halle Berry. I read it was Halle Berry. It is, her name is Halle Berry. I know. It, but it's not check. the same Halle Berry. Not the no. same Halle Berry. Oh, I didn't no. know that. Okay. <laughs> it's another Halle Berry. Okay. And what is she? Is she... Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know. I just know she is a woman of, col of, woman of color right. and African-American descent. So does this, does so this trigger you, Phil? 
No, no, it doesn't trigger me. Um, it is funny. The memes have been amazing. Like, like from have it. you guys seen anybody actually post that they're triggered from it? No, I, ha- like, I have. I, I've just heard, seen a bunch of people making fun of people who are triggered. Yeah, I've yeah, seen there, I saw a bunch of posts. There's been a backlash that I've seen where it's it's a culmination. Like this is like it's not just this one movie. It's right. just this whole thing of like, God, it like, goes into the cultural Marxist tag, right? And yeah. whether whether people can verbalize what i said is uh, this is cultural marxism they see it and they feel it and they feel threatened by it and it's just it's incremental and i think in the minds of the people that don't like this this is one more tiny incremental step you know mm. it's uh it's fabian cultural marxism yeah, fabian. Yeah, fabian <laughs> like, like and 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 i think that's it but um like do i care no but i do think it begs the question of why why would they do that you yeah, know what I mean? yeah why would they do that now you can make that's, the argument yeah. You could make the argument, it's a reasonable argument, that you know, we want little black chicks to feel pretty and you know, sure. identify and and that could be it. But then market like, demographics. Right. But I mean, it's twenty years later since or whatever the case may be, it's like, hey, we want to sell like movies, DVDs. Who, who goes to the movies? Like right. what's our it could just be all, all just strictly economics well, and right. demographics. Well, well Michael Heiss, why can't the little mermaid be transgender? <laughs> <laughs> or all they 30 can, but or I would all still question genders. why they did that you know what I mean and here's here's another question when is the Irish rewrite of Roots coming out why does it have to be <laughs> you, a mermaid you know what I mean like is, is, yeah. is well that's the thing so you I the, doubt the, it no I, mean, I seriously doubt it yeah. which, and, and, and that goes to the point of why did they do that you know what I mean but there's, like, there, they're, there not is gonna, a, they're not going to put white, char- yeah. white characters on but there's a difference though in that, in that scenario because you have one that's where the the person's color is intrinsic to the actual story, well, I'm whereas, being but I'm, I'm yeah, I'm that, being well, no, I, I get and, yeah, and, and that's but, the only thing that would but bother that's why me. I said Irish because Irish had a right, I got you. problem too. But well, true, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but um, fair enough, but, but yeah, uh, yeah, but that's the point. But sure, and then it also goes back to what Phil said of you can't look at if you look at it in a vacuum, it's absolutely ridiculous and retarded, and nobody should care. And yeah, same thing. But if you look at it in another way of like. This is happening all over the place. It's just another thing to the people who are afraid of the cultural Marxism, mm-hmm. even if they can't verbalize it. Yeah, as such. they don't. I mean, yeah. you just think of of historically white characters that have been taken over by black characters, and I mean, I know there's a disproportionate amount of on the adverse. Like when you talk about, there's been a lot of characters like back in old Hollywood that were portrayed. Uh, you know, white actors who portrayed like Asian Asians, characters, yeah. and, and 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 that's whatever. I mean, like that's fine. Like so, I'm not like. I'm not up in arms about the Little Mermaid. Being Actually, black. you know, a lot, not a lot of people know this, but when I was first uh, starting the Parallel podcast, um, Jared almost uh, became Asian for the podcast. <laughs> no, I was played by an Asian, actually. <laughs> Stunt double? Yeah. <laughs> Stunt double. <laughs> but, um, you know, go back to what I was saying, like, so I understand, like, there is this, this whole balance. They think, well, you know, it can go back anyway. And it's true, because it's like, you know, there's a meme I just posted in the group, and it's just like mermaids are white. You know, like it, yeah, it's a, and people a, a get silly moment. about yeah, it. But, it is pretty but, silly. But that's the whole point. It's it's to stoke that. Like, I I think well, at least from the political class, it's to stoke that. Because, I, agree, I agree. Because we live in a general. We 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 as Americans live in a melting pot that is unique. But when you go outside of that, I'm not saying this is right, but it's pretty normal for there to be con- like cultural conflicts. And not e- it's not even just a, a cross-racial thing. Europe bombed the shit out of each other for like a long time. It's just normal, part of the human experience that we're still learning and growing and evolving with. But again, that, 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 no- that thing that is normal, that does exist, 
can be stoked for political purposes. Yeah, and like there's even and, inner and, inner conf, uh, inner conflict between like I work with a bunch like I mean majority of people I work with are like black and they're African American so it's like they make fun of each other because they'll be like oh that's that light you're light skin like and they just make fun of each other like oh you're dark skin and they just go back and forth with each other all day on the workroom floor and it's fine and it's it's like inter <laughs> it's like interacting with each other and it's it's like so when you go back to this there's gonna be people who be like well why couldn't it be a transgendered person who has this role. Like, why couldn't Kylie Wagner play the Little Mermaid? There's no real reason for that. Like, it well, she's not real. That's probably we a know good that, reason. <laughs> Do we know that? Yeah, so, can't confirm we don't. Or cannot deny confirm right nor deny. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. And it's like no docs you, exist. You go through this, this whole oh, no. this whole rigmarole where people are getting fr uh, pissed off and frustrated because they're like, "Well, that was once a white character. Now it's black. Uh, now it's a black character." But you also think about the same people who are like, "Get over it." how they would feel if the new Black Panther movie came out and it was a white character playing Black Panther. There would be... So, and you say, well, it's intrinsic to the character, but not necessarily... Not if they're... This used to be called they're like tokenism. South African. Yeah, they're for South <laughs> African, right? This used to be called tokenism. Like, it used to be insulting. Yeah. Very much so, yeah. You know, yeah. like, what are we saying? Like... Well, how you'd have to have in every commercial, there'd have to be like a white person, a black person, yeah. and an Asian person. It seems very manufactured, like this yeah. whole thing. Very much so. Yeah, and that's like a great even, way to put it. Uh, yeah, because it just came out of nowhere, and it's like, what the fuck? Like, why does anybody really care? You know, or why? Okay, I don't know. It just seems like on the surface they shouldn't care. That's the yeah. thing; they shouldn't care. But there's this underlying thing, Torrent. just to stoke, like, yeah. just to poke the bear. You know? Just yeah, and 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 the the trick is, and again, I'm talking uh, from the the perspective of the political class. But the trick is to get people to focus on the single the single instances that on their own are ridiculous, but collectively put together, raise the temperature of the pot that the frog is in. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know right. what I mean? Like, and, and so if you can, if you can get them focusing on the half degree here, half degree there, which on their own seem ridiculous and stupid. Next thing you know, the shit's 40 degrees higher 10 years down the line. Just with the fucking sneakers with the Betsy Ross sneakers. <laughs> right? so, yeah. How people were so triggered about so that. So in a sense, you're, you're kind of saying that this is like a climate crisis. A cultural <laughs> climate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, guys, we didn't talk about the Forgettysburg Address yet, did we? The big no, we no. did not. Forgettysburg Address. We need to, we need to talk about that because that's what we're naming we the podcast. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we, we got to. We totally that. forgot. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Just like Trump in his speech. Yeah, so so Trump was giving a speech the other day, and what, what he was saying, like... It was uh, on the 4th of July. Yeah, it was the yeah, 4th of July. Phil, and then, you, had, uh, you had the docs I up. got the docs on it, if you guys want to hear. <laughs> yeah, let's hear. Heard. So a lot of people he have seen the memes, and they haven't really heard his actual words, but I have the direct quote. And so he goes on talking about all about the Revolutionary War. But then he trips into this thing where he says that his, what, the teleprompter start, they stopped working or whatever. So he just had to improvise from what he remembered. And he says, so he continues on after talking about the, the Revolutionary War. He goes, our army manned the air. It rammed the ramparts. It took over the airports. It did everything it had to do at and at Fort McHenry, under the rocket's red glare, it had nothing but victory. And when dawn came, <laughs> their star-spangled banner waved defiant. Oh, totally God. conflating Dude, two wars. It, it almost sounds like something like a bad AI would produce. Right. Like if, you fed, <laughs> if you like fed it like a bunch of like, like presidential bullshit, speeches, yeah. yeah. And it's so funny because it, once he, he's talking about the revolution solely, and then he just goes into War of eighteen twelve. Especially yeah. if anyone here in Baltimore knows that he's talking about. The War of 1812. And this is right. on the 4th of July. You could have just stay on target. <laughs> just stay on the declaration. 
you know, like just stick to that. But no, right he now, wanted to go full revolution. Then you'd have to know about the Declaration of Independence. It, so it's like the airports, man. I, yeah. Okay, I give him okay. The airports. Of, he meant to say ports, but he said airports, airports. which is fucking hilarious. It's total <laughs> Trump, <laughs> dude. And it's so funny because like here you are, you get Chris Matthews is going on the air and he's talking about how there's getting people there with Confederate flags. There's gonna be violence. People are gonna be fighting in the streets because it's it's a Trump. It's his like uh, political campaign rally for himself that's what he turned the fourth of july into. and he also had a load a bunch of like tanks and yeah he had a bunch of military tanks. parade yeah. yeah it's all in flyovers and, I mean, there and, is points to that i mean that is very yeah. something you see out of tiananmen square or at red square and you know in russia well, apparently they actually used to do that here the deer uh, leader like, in north they, korea yeah, i'm sure they did some military parade in north korea yeah and so it's like it's annoying it's stupid us as libertarians we should know like yeah you're glorifying war culture yeah they said it could cost up to like 92 million for this whole parade and like we said we're into so and people are outraged about that but no like you know i know alex like you're into sports ball like me yeah so like every single time like i, I go to nationals opening day game in what dc kind of sports ball <laughs> uh all of them. He's a Philadelphia Football, fan yeah. like you. So. Yeah, word. Trust yeah. the process, bro. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> process is coming to fruition. Dude, the starting lineup is going to be beast next year. Hell right. yeah. I'm in Washington. There's no process. But anyway, <laughs> so um, but so I go to like the opening day every year, and there's a flyover. And like that costs $500,000 every time they do that, to yeah. do a flyover. They said but when it comes to like man time, air, like yeah. just getting everything ready, it costs a total of like $500,000. Yeah, man, it was crazy. Like uh, I went to the last Eagles open practice. It was like last year. And uh, they had the whole fucking like National Guard. And there was like six like uh, like Blackhawks circling around the Link- Lincoln Financial Field. And it's like, first off, that's fucking sketchy because I know Army mechanics. And that's <laughs> nine times out of ten. That's why those motherfuckers go down. Like Blackhawks <laughs> go down. And they're circling around not too high off the stadium. And it's like fucking hell but everybody's like yeah like you know america and like just i'm at a fucking it's a free practice and they got like like six helicopters circling around for like could be part of that contract yeah it's crazy like that military contract yeah exactly like it's such a recruitment tool and like nobody looks nobody gets upset about that and the military pays um they pay the nfl like eight million dollars nine million dollars something to do that's free recruiting so what what donald trump and it's so funny there was a great meme ed posted in the group ed you're awesome it's funny he got this scoop on me and he it was just like that you know the it said it cost 92 million dollars to you know, to the taxpayer, he said, unless you're a Democrat, and then since the government paid for it, it was all free. It's just free, yeah. yeah like, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. It's true, and it's it's free press, I guess. It's free, quote-unquote, for, you know, the military. That's all this parade was, and apparently a lot of stations wouldn't cover it. They, not, I don't think only Fox News was shocking, was the only one that would show this parade on their local affiliates or whatever. Yeah, I didn't, mm. I didn't see any footage or I didn't. I didn't watch one second of this thing. Like, yeah, I was, neither. It was I pretty was much just, like blacklisted by the media. You're right, yeah. They, they, but of course, they're all saying it's causing violence. It, if it was the violence. proper dear leader, it would have been all oh, of yeah. Course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. If it was their sanctioned proper, yeah, or dear leader, then yeah. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. But so the memes are great after the fallout of his uh, gaff, dude. It's hilarious. I love yeah, it. Yeah. So uh, we're about out of time on here. Uh, Michael Heiss, is there anything you want to say before you go off? So let me. I guess I'll give a quick rundown on some projects that we're working on. Besides, yeah, I'm besides just the candidates and the issue coalitions. So um, we we just launched uh, some original content that requires crowd feedback called Ask an Austrian. So you can go to askanaustrian.com and uh, <clears throat> fill out the email form. And what that basically is just asking questions. If you have questions about libertarian theory, libertarian ethics, Austrian economics, 
we will get them and we will forward them to a Austrian economist who will answer them on video and we will publish it. It's asking Austria. Um, so the but the uh, the one that I'm really excited about is we just created the event page. Uh, we are organizing a rally in front of the White House yes. in Washington D.C. Uh, called Peace Over Politics. And the idea here is to get six speakers, uh, two speakers, all of them anti-war, two from the left, two from the right, two libertarian, and try to bring the camps together and, uh, <clears throat> you know, talk about war and peace. Oh, wow. That's, Who do you have awesome. so far totally that you can tell us about? Well, so far we have two. We have invites out. Um, try to get Tulsi Gabbard. We would like to. We yeah. would like to for one of the left left wing speakers, but um, yeah. um, Scott Horton has agreed to do it, and Michael oh, wow. Michael Bolton of the Tenth Amendment yes. Center has agreed to MC it. So that's how we're going to get the sneaky uh, majority. Is he'll be the MC, and okay. so he'll be the third libertarian. You know. Nice. So I, I'll also like I'm, I already have it. I already took off for it from work. I'll be there. Um, oh, yeah. It's it's. I'm really. Um, this is one thing. Like I think we should all get together and get down there. There's going to be a lot of people and try to make this as big as possible. You get the band back together. Well, here's right? here's like one thing Ron that's... Paul that's, activism back. <laughs> well, here's right. the thing that's important about that. It's really important that libertarians show up. And the reason it is is because I've been to anti-war rallies like recently. In the public consciousness, the anti-war issue is owned by the left. As sad as that is. And, I mean, I, I've been to them and, and it's it was great, but it was also a much mostly older crowd i mean there was young people there but it was it was a lot of older people there uh, i would say the majority point being though is that if we don't show up and 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 cast that contrast it's it's going to be more of the same yeah. so we we have to show that there is anti-war movements that give a shit in other movements but the left Definitely. and when is this taking place again september 21st which the uh the un has designated as international day of peace yep mm. cool it's, it's gonna be pretty exciting that. and I know, like I'm, I'm going down, so I got some room in my car. So if anyone's coming from north, you know, hit me up on Facebook. Let's road trip, bro. There's, there's probably not going to be much extra room you in your ride, car. So that's funny. That's <laughs> funny. I'm gonna add that to your list of funny fat. Yeah, those got a station wagon. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't Phil ride a Geo Prism? Yeah, no, no, dude. I He's got a little Prius. No, I, I got a Toyota Camry. Thank you very much. All right. Well, I've What's driven a fucking 96 Hyundai accent, bro. It's all good. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, like, I'm excited about this. I want to make this a big thing. So, anybody, if you're in the area, you can just come. This would be great to show up. Like, I'm so excited about that. Hell yeah. Cool. Anything hey. else, Matt? Yeah, so, so, that's about it? So, I, the, well, the main website is lpmesescaucus.com. And then, um, if you, if you want to become a supporter, you can go to Mises Pack. Dot com and you can become a monthly donor for as little as five bucks to help us i am right here word yep. I need, yeah i need all you guys i need that promo um but um basically that is to help us fulfill our vision of a decentralized bottom-up libertarian revolution which ironically is hoppa's strategy and if you talk to everybody in the party that's what they want but they just don't know that hoppa talked about this in 1997 well that's because oh, wow. you're a racist <laughs> yeah. stop being a racist uh, i don't know though i mean hoppa i mean didn't he he seemed to say some like shady things. Sometimes, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. But economically, it, he's flawless. But the point I'm making is, is he gave a speech in 1997 called "What Must Be Done" that outlined in great detail a bottom-up libertarian revolution. And I'm just making the point that if you talk to Libertarian Party members, hmm. most of them will say that's what we need to do. I think Mike Shipley said something about that. Or wasn't he talking it's about where I got the idea. Unity? It's where, yeah, no, that's where I got the idea. Mike Shipley was like, yo, I read this Hopper book, man. And he, oh, he, he was? some great ideas. Well, he, loves, he loves it from the bottom up. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, for completely bottom, unity, bottom immunity, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so um, also, guys, <laughs> uh, we have a uh, Patreon now. So if you want to help keep the lights on down in Anarchy Basement, you can uh, contribute a minimum of $1 per month, and you will gain access to our After Hours program. We got to beat Liberty Hangout. We got to do it. Uh, settle down. And then uh, we also have uh, t-shirts over at libertariancountry.com. If you type in the code PRL or the code PRL podcast, you will receive a 10% discount. Until next time, live free or die. Absolutely!